Well, hey, what is going on? Nick Kirby here, and welcome back to Chatterbox Reds, proudly sponsored by DSC Commodities. We said that we were taking a break until after the World Series, and well, the World Series is over, and we are full speed ahead with off-season coverage of your Cincinnati Reds. Myself and Trace Fowler had our first off-season live show on Wednesday night on YouTube. We will try to do weekly live shows on YouTube and podcasts for the rest of the off-season. We'll also have some additional content, including emergency shows whenever news breaks this off-season, exclusive interviews, and more. So make sure that you are subscribed to Chatterbox Reds wherever you're listening to this podcast and Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Next week, we will be live on YouTube on Wednesday night again at 9.30 p.m. with the podcast version up on Thursday morning. Before we get to myself and Trace Fowler from Chatterbox Reds Live, I wanted to tell you about our proud sponsor, Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuels production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our friends at DSC. All right. Well, here's myself and Trace Fowler on Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube. There's a lot of things that have happened, Nick. There's a lot of things that have happened since we've uh, we've been on air last, if you want to call it that. Some cool things. Some maybe not so cool, uh, depending on how you how you view the uh, Craig Councils of the world, especially if you like him, uh, then that's not cool. But if you think that he's worthless or you don't think he's of much value, then maybe you just think it's been an okay offseason so far. Your overall, uh, I guess your overall uh, thoughts here right before we get going and, and we can jump right into it. Yeah, man, it's not a whole lot yet. Uh, it, it's fascinating. You're starting to kind of see stuff trickling you know out and I, I think once we uh get a little closer to the winter meetings I think that, that when we'll really start you know hearing a lot of chatter you know last off season was pretty boring uh the Reds didn't do a whole lot and I think this offseason would be a lot different the Reds are going to have their their hands at a lot of different things and that's going to be exciting at least to follow and track yeah, well, and there's there there has been some things that have happened. Um, I think the first thing, uh, as always, is probably the schedule. Uh, many of us, like myself included, Nick, we are not uh, we are not students of the game. We're not students of the off season. So uh, for for many of you that feel like maybe you're not a diehard, you don't know every single date. Nick, run us through those dates, maybe a little bit what they mean, if uh, if you will, and we'll kind of get into what's happened as well outside of these dates. Well, yeah, going on right now is the GM meetings, not to be confused with the winter meetings. Usually not a whole lot of uh, action happens at the GM meetings. Uh, it's more of, I guess, they, they like to say the, the cliche term is uh, uh, laying the groundwork. Now, <laughs> however, it was um, reported that a lot of the GMs apparently are leaving early uh, because uh, there's some sickness going around. Uh, I know our good pal Elliot said uh, 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 Kevin Newman must have showed up. So yep. uh, that was a that was well played on on uh, on our, our our pal Elliot. But yeah, that's what's going on right now. Uh, things will really start heating up though. Uh, 
the 14th and then the 17th, that's when the Reds will have to make their decisions on who they're going to protect in the Rule 5 draft. We'll talk about that a little later on. November 17th, that's the non-tender deadline. Reds will have to make a decision on guys like Nixon, Zell, Derek Law. And of course, Reds Fest. Uh, and then the winter meetings, December 4th through 6th, that's when we expect to have the most action. That's when uh, the offseason will be the uh, the most exciting uh, so far, at least. Yeah, and I mean, there has been, uh, like, you, like you said, not a ton. Not a ton that's happened. Um, but there has been some moves. Um, I know we'll get into Luke Maley a little bit here at some point. But there's also been folks that were not like Luke Maley and they did not re-sign. We have some free agents, Nick. Yeah, I mean, the Reds uh, so far have lost uh, Vladimir Gutierrez, Justin Dunn, uh, our old pal Henry Ramos, Vladimir Gutierrez may be the one that kind of stings. You would have liked to have saw the Reds, um, you know, write him out a little more. Remember, he uh, uh, finished third in the Rookie of the Year vote uh, in 2021. Feels like forever ago. Uh, and then Justin Dunn, just it, it just never happened. Just so many injuries. But, you know, nothing that I think really moves the needle too far one way or the other. Vladimir Gutierrez would have been some nice protection, but it's hard to really know when you're talking guys like Gutierrez and Dunn really how healthy were they? How, you know, we have no idea uh, what, what to expect out of them. Uh, Reds have lost some guys in, in uh, the, they were technically minor leaguers. Ben Lively, who was on the major league roster uh, most of the year, actually got optioned, and then he did elect free agency recently. So the Reds lost Lively. They lost our guy Jason Vossler, Ricky Karcher, just some really uh, – <laughs> ones that sting uh, would have been nice to keep lively around, but obviously <laughs> I'm being facetious. Obviously lively be would careful. have been nice. To, lively would have been nice to keep around. Um, but you have to think lively's going to try to find probably maybe a, a non-contender. It, it's cool that the reds don't fit Ben lively in his aspirations probably anymore. Um, and then the other interesting note, I would be very surprised if he actually makes the opening day roster in uh, 2024. Uh, but the Reds did pick up uh, Bubba Thompson, former first-round pick. Really speedy, hasn't really hit well at all. Um, but he is holding a 40-man roster spot. Now, the Reds did uh, pick up a guy in the 40-man roster spot, Nick Solak. He never saw the light of day. So this could be that same type of move, just taking a flyer on him, a guy to keep around. The Reds may cut him in a couple weeks just to, you know, as, as they kind of see what the, what the needs are. I guess the Reds must have liked something about him, uh, but he's of note as well. And then uh, before we get to uh, Luke Maley and then one other interesting thing, just some quick NL Central news, the the, the ones that stand out the most. Uh, Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger, they declined uh, their uh, player options to their free agents. Uh, Brewers traded Mark Kahana to the Tigers, and then Wade Miley declined his player option. But the most interesting news, or I guess the most exciting, I guess, news so far, uh, Luke Maley, of course, uh, uh, Red signed him to a one-year, $3.5 million deal with a club option. Of course, Luke was on with uh, a Tom Brenneman on Off the Bench. Really cool interview. We put that up in the podcast feed as well if you want to go back and check that out. Uh, but yeah, Trace, this was, I guess, the most interesting move so far. What was your kind of thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, it, I actually thought that Luke earned it, right? I mean, it wasn't one of those situations where it felt it felt gross in any way. Um, I, there's certainly some other players on this team that you could have you could have felt that way about, perhaps. Um, 
I'm sure that if the Reds came out and not that they would, but if they came out and said that they were going to extend Casales of the world, you'd be like, what, what, what are we doing here? Maley's not, Maley doesn't fall into that category. And, and, and you know what? Toxic Trace, I really don't want to do this. I think he was our best catcher. And I know that, I know that, uh, I know that's debatable, but, and I, and I hope Tyler Stevenson, whether, whether if, if Tyler, if Tyler Stevenson obviously was with the Reds and I fully expect him to be with the Reds going into next year and beyond, I would like to hope that he would be able to outplay Maley, but I also think that Maley's a, a formidable, pretty serviceable backup if he's able to play that he to the to the level that he played at last year. And you know what's crazy, Nick, is there's a small chance. I'm not saying it's a great chance. I'm not going to hang my hat on it or hold my breath. There's a chance for the first time in his career he has some stability, and it might allow him to kind of I don't want to say relax a little bit. And I'm talking about Maley, of course, to where he might get better. I mean, I I know he's kind of on the he's an older player. It's not like he's a it's not like there's a guy that, you know, but but mentally, maybe I know I'm stretching here, maybe it breaks a barrier down a little bit and in any and he becomes a player that many never thought he could be. I don't know. That's the positive take at least. Toxic Trace, uh, first time off season, nine thirty nine PM. I mean I keep in track. I'm just saying, uh, Tyler Stevenson, not the best season, but I still like Tyler. Just need a little more out of him. That's all. And you know what? Tyler, to be fair, the last month was pretty damn good. Yeah. If we felt better about Tyler Stevenson, if we felt how we felt about Tyler Stevenson going into 2023, I think we would absolutely love the Luke Maley signing. It would be like a home run, right? Luke Maley's the perfect backup catcher. The pitchers, they all love working they with do. him. They, they, you, it wasn't this like fluffy thing. You could tell it was it was genuine. The pitchers loved working with them. Luke Maley is a absolute phenomenal backup catcher. I think he's a fringe starting big league catcher. Yeah, like you said. So uh, I like how you said he earned it. I mean, if there was one guy that earned a contract on the Reds, it, it was Luke Maley. Uh, he really stepped up uh, with, with Tyler Stevenson not performing up to what we hope. Um, but it really all comes down to Tyler Stevenson. Um, as much as this news was about Luke Maley, it comes down to Tyler Stevenson. I'm really hopeful that first full healthy off season, I'm hoping that he can, you know, work with some really good catchers this off season and he can come back and have a huge year. If Tyler Stevenson can hit better, it'll, it'll mask a lot of his other deficiencies or That's get better defensively too. Well. Yeah, if you don't need both, you just need really one or the other. Just just improve, improve a take a nice leap in one of those two, and you have a pretty good catcher at that point. I agree with Tyler. I agree. I, my only fear is is that if it doesn't get significantly better at the plate, it needs to get significantly better. And significant is a very arbitrary term, yes, but it needs to get better behind the plate. And um, I again, we'll see. We'll leave it at that. We will see. One thing I do hope about Tyler Stevenson right before we move on here is I really hope that he gets back to just doing what he does best. And I know the Reds or whoever maybe was in his ear about the idea of, 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 of obtaining some more power, certainly more pool power. I just don't know if that's in the cards. And I think that that kind of mentally got to him a little bit. He got it without, he got, he got outside himself. It led to a little bit of a snowball effect, and then at the end of the year, I think he got a little more back to old Tyler Stevenson, the one that we that we all loved right when he came up, and that's okay. I hope I hope we all don't just sit here and judge Tyler based off the fact that he doesn't have a ton of power. 
Well, let's also look at this. So I'm I'm looking right now at like the Fangraphs uh, roster resources, their projected lineup for the Reds next year. They have Tyler Stevenson batting ninth. If you remember going into last year, we probably thought Tyler Stevenson would bat in third, fifth, somewhere like towards the top of the lineup. As far as offensively, I think the the emergence of McLean, Steer, CES, Ellie De La Cruz, Will Benson, etc., might have taken some pressure off of Tyler Steven, at least from the offensive side. So it'll be interesting to see. I, he's definitely a bounce back candidate. Will he? Time will tell. Yeah, I just like I said, get back to hitting the ball hard up the middle, backside, and he's gonna accidentally run into some pool home runs. Yes, but I just want him to just want him to feel comfortable at the plate again. And I felt like for the first half of the season. That just wasn't the case. He didn't look like he was having fun playing baseball, and and uh, who knows? That could be that could be for a, uh, a myriad, a myriad, 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 myriad of reasons. I don't even know what the word is, but I tried, I tried to use it anyway. Nick, uh, other news: the last big shocking one, uh, the Cubs pulled a shocker, hiring Craig Council as the manager, and basically, essentially firing David Ross at the same time. Craig Council becomes the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball history at five years, $40 million. My instant reaction was, please, Brewers, hire David Ross because that would just be electric. I want to see it. Do the right thing, Milwaukee. I don't think they will, but we need it. It'd be funny. If, if anything, it'd be funny. I don't know. I mean, listen, this is the, this is a relatively fair debate within baseball circles of how much a manager means. Um, certainly from a clubhouse perspective and an, an overall, you know, vibe perspective, I think it matters. I think David Bell does a pretty good job in that regard. And certainly you can't have like anybody manage a baseball team, but paying someone that much money, I think probably means more on the side of what did they tell him? Maybe it was just money. That's why he came. But Council certainly felt like he left the Brewers because he's seen that window close. And there was another window opening, which is the Chicago Cubs. And one would think with a payroll and an organization and a revenue stream like they have, you wouldn't really have windows. You'd be consistent, 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 consistent because you have so much money that you can probably mask a lot of problems. But they are the Cubs. But here's the thing. I I, I don't want to say I'm worried about it because I'm not worried, but it certainly feels like they're going to spend some money if they're going to sign a manager for that much money. Am I being an idiot for thinking that? No, I mean, they've, they've given every indication that they, they're going to spend money. I'll kind of take a, a different take. I think this is a big nothing burger. I think Craig Council is a fantastic manager. I think he's one of the best in the game. I don't think managers matter that much at the same time. Uh, and the Cubs have money to waste. So, like... Do I think that the Cubs did this great thing? I'm just saying, like, they they can afford to waste money on a manager. Whereas the Reds and and the Pirates maybe cannot. Like, that that extra $8 matters a lot more. So I don't don't think there's – I've seen the takes that, that, uh, oh, my gosh, they overpaid for Craig Council. Eh, whatever. Like, it's not going to kill the Cubs. It's not going to – Gonna do a big thing, and I've seen I seen the other side. Oh, the Cubs got Craig Council. This is huge. Eh, I don't really think it, it, it. They still have to build a good team. <laughs> David Bell lost a hundred games in twenty twenty two, and then David Bell turned around and won eighty two games in twenty twenty three. I think David Bell did a fantastic job, but it was a lot more about Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
<laughs> well, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's the point, right? It's like uh, nothing changed at the beginning of the year other than the players that came in. David Bell was there the whole time, not taking anything away from David Bell. Some people hate David Bell. Some people love David Bell. Most people probably are in the middle. That's where I fall. It's just, uh, I think the, I think that what's funny is what you said is true. You said the Cubs can waste money. I just chuckled a little bit because I think from now on, we the Cubs, whenever they, whenever they spend money, we just say they waste money. And then the Reds spend money. So the Reds, the Reds this offseason are going to spend money. The, the Cubs are going to waste money. So that's what I took from that conversation. <laughs> no, not every move the Cubs are going to make is a waste of <laughs> no, money. No, I mean, I, I think that. I, I, that. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm, going I think to, the, I'm going to keep saying that. Oh, okay. I think the Cubs, in, in, in seriousness, I think the Cubs can afford to make some more riskier moves than the Reds. And in some ways, if you're a Reds fan, you want them to make those risky moves. You want them to side the Jason Hayward because that levels the playing field. You They signed one really awful contract. All of a sudden, their $200 million payroll isn't really that much better than a payroll of $150 million. So, it, it, yes, they have more wiggle room, but if they do go out and sign a whole couple really bad contracts, all of a sudden, the playing field's uh, much more even. I'll say something absurd just to get the the show going. Uh, right before we get to Vado here is uh, I, I I that's how I kind of feel about Otani and, and and listen, there's some franchises that can afford him, but you can't completely miss on him either. Like he's gonna have to be a pretty damn good player, and he has been maybe arguably the greatest baseball player of all time. And and I wouldn't even make it arguable. I'd say that he probably has been. It's just that when you invest that much money, guaranteed. I mean, you know. With all due respect, not that not that he's going to be riding the CTA up there in Chicago if Otani gets signed to Chicago in the north side, but he gets hit by a bus and or falls off the L. I'm just, and I'm not wishing that upon anybody, by the way. It just seems like a crazy amount of money for one single player. Just saying. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It could absolutely backfire. Uh, it it kind of also like is with Cody Bellinger. Uh, the Cubs keeping Cody Bellinger may have, knock the Reds out of the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe the Reds win one of those games and it changes everything, but it definitely them holding on to Cody Bellinger and not cashing in on that great chip that they had uh, yeah. is definitely going to help the Reds long-term. There's no question about that. Yeah. No. And Marcus Stroman for that matter. So yeah, go ahead, Nick, get us started. All right. Well, if, unless you were living under a rock over the weekend, uh, Reds did decline the Joey Votto option quote from Nick crawl with where we are looking at our roster, playing time, how that affects us moving forward. I think it made the most sense for us to decline the option. Latest news, maybe some buzz with Toronto, uh, with um, uh, with Votto, but it, it sounds, barring something really unforeseen, it, it's, it's, it's a finality thing at this point. Joey Votto and the Reds are moving on. It's a, this this is a this is a subject in which is very controversial in regards to the way that you handle it. I know when you sit behind a microphone and you talk, you you you, uh, you try to make sure you you speak in a way in which you don't regret later because people can twist your words and make you out to be somebody that you're not. I like I've said a billion times on this show, and I've said uh, through X.com before. I, I genuinely was that guy who has been that guy at Thanksgiving and the holidays and when you're sitting around with your family, have argued 
tooth and nail to people that are obviously older than me, my uncles and 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 in a lot of my family, my stepdad. That Joey Joey Votto is the greatest hitter, and you whether you want to use offensive player or hitter of all time in Reds history, I believe that. I believe that. He got on base better than anybody without making an out, and that's the ultimate goal when you go to the plate. And I get the argument on the other side about how there's all the other, you know all these other intangibles and or metrics that you'd like to use to showcase that someone else is better. That's fine. You can have your opinion. I got mine too. I think that Joey Votto is the greatest uh, that there has been that's come to the plate for the Cincinnati Reds. I also understand where the Reds are at, and I also watched Joey Votto play this past season, and I can completely understand as to why Nick Crawl said the things he said. And the last kind of point I'll make before I hand it over to you, because I could rant on this subject probably for you know 30 minutes based off everything I've seen, and the internet's not a good place to go to try to find rationality. I get it, but I believe what Nick Crawl said. And if that makes me somebody that just loves Nick Crawl and listens to everything he says and believes everything he says, you'll realize here in a little bit later in the show, I think he's full of shit sometimes too. But for this instance... I do believe what he was saying. I think he's telling the truth. The fact of the matter is that Joey Votto, in the position he's in, based off the depth that they have at certain positions, and the belief, the belief they have in Christian Encarnacion Strand, they don't see how Joey Votto is going to be able to get enough at-bats to be effective for this baseball team. It's as simple as that for me. Now, if you want to think that I'm crazy for saying that, or you want to think that the, the Reds are... Are, are, you know, somehow dishonoring him or just trying to push him out or they don't believe that, you know, they're, they're just, I don't they think he's old school. I don't think any of those things. I think the Reds actually love Joey Votto. They just watch the games and they realize that, unfortunately, father time caught up with him. I, I don't know how else to say it, Nick. Yeah, I, mean, I think this was the right move. I So many people have said so many things. I don't want to rehash things that have been said a million times and, um, the one thing I do push back on a lot is I, I saw a lot of this notion that the Reds did Joey like a disservice his last year and not making some public thing and honoring him. I just, I, I can't get behind that. I don't understand. Like when the Reds came home for the last series, they were a half game out of a playoff spot. Like, what are they supposed to do? Hey, hey, Joey, we're going to go ahead and decline your option. I know you're in the middle of some some big games. You're, you're starting at first base for us. We're going to honor you this weekend. Like, I just don't understand. It, it just, the, because the Reds were good this year or competitive or whatever, I know people like to push back on were they actually good or not. But it, it just, if the Reds had stunk this year, it would have been easy to do something like that. But they couldn't because the Reds were in the race till the end. So that first, that's the thing that I just, I, I find weird. I want to offer a different point that I haven't heard from any anywhere else on, on this. And it's this. One of the challenges with bringing Joey Votto back next year is specific to the Reds as opposed to anyone else. If it gets to be June 1st and Joey Votto looks like Will Myers did last year, it's a lot harder for the Reds to DFA Joey Votto than any other team, right? Like if Joey goes and signs with the Toronto Blue Jays and it's just... It's not there at all. If the Blue Jays DFA him, no big deal. You know, hey, we, we tried, didn't work out. If the Reds DFA him in the middle of the year, that's going to be really tough. Or if the Reds get to a place where, like, they have to almost really not play him at all. It, it just, it's a, I feel like it, 
the pressure it would put on David Bell is really a, a, immense. Like just with the playing time and having to to manage a, a living legend, uh, and, and a situation that that comes to mind. And I know he's a little bit older, but he was still producing a little bit later in his career it was Nelson Cruz last year. Padres took a took a flyer on Nelson Cruz. I thought it was a good flyer. He had a chance to to, to hit. Well, it didn't work out. They DFA'd him in the middle of the year. So what? Like the Padres fans, they have no no nothing invested in Nelson Cruz. It would just be really tough to to DFA Joey Votto in the middle of the season if it comes to that. Here's the thing with Joey. It's it's uh it's one of those weird situations where obviously if he gets signed by an NL Central team, you can't really root for him per se, but if he gets signed for an American League team, I hope he plays well. I hope he plays well. It's not like I want this guy to just to 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 not play well to prove a point to say, well, look, see, he he's not he's not good anymore. Joey, in my opinion, still has some spurtability. I just think that there's not there's not going to be enough of a consistency there over the course of 162 that lends itself to two things. One, when you have an, an up and people are going to go crazy for Trey saying some crazy shit. But when you have an up-and-coming organization who has a lot of guys that, that, that you want to try to keep as many of them as you can, it sounds stupid, but 40-man roster spots matter a little bit. And I know people are going to hate me for saying that Joey Votto, you know, the four, we're talking to 40, man. People are arguing about the, the, the roster spots that are on the big league club. It's just, all in all, it's simply put, I understand where the Reds were at why they made the decision they made, and I actually believe they made the right one. Doesn't mean that you have to love the decision. You should just, I would hope, respect where they're at and what you see. And if the Reds win 80 games for some reason next year, I'll still continue to sit here and say that I think that it was the right decision. I mean, it's just that's just how it goes. So, again... People that are begging or hoping or wishing upon the idea that, that they're going to go out and maybe re-sign him after free agency hits. The only reason they would do that is if they're able to bring him back on such a small deal and every single other team in the league pretty much passed on him and it's his only option. And at that point, as crazy as that sounds, I still think that's way, way far-fetched because the Reds are telling the truth. I just don't think they want to... They don't want to take up a roster spot for a 40-year-old first baseman who can hit left-handed pitching and res respectfully hasn't looked very good outside of the first few games he's come back after a couple injuries in the short-term stint that he played last year. That's kind of my final piece there on Mr. 19. I still love him. Best Reds hitter of all time. Yeah, I mean the Reds like the Reds have picked up guys on on minor league contracts like like Tyler Naquin, like Nick Martini that have come up and performed well. But the difference with those kind of guys is if it doesn't work out, you just you, you could send them back to AAA. It's you can't do that with Joey Votto. Uh, you can't be shipping guys back and forth. Um, and and one other point on this is last year there was only two players in Major League Baseball that got in at bat that were 40 years or older, Miguel Cabrera and Nelson Cruz. And neither one of those performers, players performed well. I, Joey Votto could come out and have it at resurgence, but it's just so risky. Uh, that I, I think the Reds aren't in a position where, to them, it makes sense to, to make that kind of risk. I think there are some other teams where it does make a little bit more sense.
Yeah, people trying to sell tickets. Name starts with a B, uh, a B and the second part of it starts with a J. It's a good idea. They should look into it. Next topic of conversation, Nick, is one that we've done before. I put on here it's mandatory, and it seems that way. I think there's a little fresh perspective, though, on Jonathan, for me at least. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, there were there were some quotes, though, before we get into all of this. Uh, I'll let you run through the quotes to kind of get us going. Yeah, I was really hoping uh, Jonathan India rumors would at least wait till week two of us doing the show so we could kind of talk about all the other things. But then, of course, when this pops up, it kind of you have to, to, to force it in. But John Morosi ruined our show. He had to tweet out. India is a popular name among execs at the MLB GM meetings. Multiple teams have inquired about his availability. Reds will listen to offers due to their position player depth, but they value India highly and aren't motivated to move him. That is a that has got to be a direct Nick Crawl quote if I've ever heard one. The Reds value him and are not motivated to move. Yeah, remember remember that last that last topic when I said that I thought that Nick Crawl was telling the truth. I think he's full of on this one. I think he's lying straight through his teeth. He's trying to use as much leverage as he possibly can. He's lying out of his and that's a fact. Uh, the only thing that I'm not going to disagree with that statement about is that he values Jonathan India. He loses me at highly. He loses me at highly. The only thing about this, and I'll let you speak on this at great length maybe because I don't have a ton to say about it really, is I I think that Jonathan India's trade value is going to be significantly less than what the vast majority of this fan base thinks. I'll leave it at that. And if they trade him and it was for like a couple guys that were at double A level and or maybe a guy at a single A level that is relatively decently high valued in a prospect perspective. I think that's about about where he would fall on the totem pole. Yeah, I agree that I do I do think it is a lot less than the fan base thinks. Uh there's a lot of variance to it. I it, again it only takes one team to overpay. I, I do think Jonathan India, if you're a team looking for him, you would think that it's a team that's in a win now mode. I know I've said this before, but you almost think that teams are going to want to give lower level prospects back for a guy like Jonathan India. I have no problem cashing in at that. I have no problem if you're 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 continuing to win the World Series and you have a player like like a Jonathan in this situation cashing in for I think you need to be you need to have your foot in the year ahead. You need to have your foot in five years down the line. That's how a good franchise runs. Uh, so you can keep uh, being, you know, good and competitive year after year after year. I'm not, I, 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 again, I don't think the Reds have to trade Jonathan. Eddie. I don't have this, this like burning desire inside of me that, man, if they don't trade Jonathan India this off season, wow, that's a terrible thing. Uh, no, it, it, if there's not the market there, if you're getting pennies on the dollar back, keep the guy. Uh, you never know what will happen next year. Um, but if if you have someone that that you can cash in, make your team better, or make your team better even down the line, I think you go for it. The only thing that would, the only the only way this ends up upsetting me is if I see Jonathan India playing second base 120 times next year for the Reds. They keep him, they DH him most of the time, they play him sparingly at second base, they move him to left field. I have no problem with that. 
the only way I'd be upset is if I, I see Jonathan India second baseman ridden like a hundred plus times. That would uh, that would really uh, uh, kill me. I'm with you. I think that jo- Jonathan India for for as much as we you know don't want to talk intangibles on this show a whole lot. I think he has some good intangibles like the leadership thing that everybody obviously points to first when they're trying to defend Jonathan India there's some merit to that there's some value there um how much it's arguable but I would but I would venture to say that if you're not going to get the offer that you want I I'm with you who cares if he comes back not a problem and I would even argue that it's okay to have some depth. I mean, especially uh, especially when you have some young guys who, let's face it, aren't 100%. Well, not even close to 100, but they're not proven at the big league level yet. I'd like to think that Matt McClain's going to be a stud because I, I do believe that. But he's also the same kid that struggled, you know, in Chattanooga for most of the year and struggles is a, a very quotation word here. I'm not trying to say that he was horrific. But you just don't know what you have. But the thing that the thing that I always fall back on is the fact that John, or, uh, excuse me, Matt McLean and Ellie De La Cruz, and even Spencer Steer for that matter, but obviously Noel Ve Marte, defensively, I don't see those guys slumping a whole lot. And the value that those guys bring defensively, I think, will outweigh those guys even slumping a little bit. And uh, to your point, if Jonathan India finds himself at a DH and or maybe, uh, and I hate left field too. I, I got to be honest. I, I'm sick and tired of just feeling like we can stick guys in the outfield and it's going to work. And I'm not saying you're saying that. I, I just am. I, I'm sick and tired of watching guys like Nick Senzel try to go track balls down the outfield and they look they don't know their ass between their elbow. Uh, I just, I'm tired of it. I want to see guys go make plays in the outfield and they look like they belong there. And trust me, I can I can already envision it. You stick him out in left field, and and I hope he proves me wrong. And by God, I hope people make fun of me. You know that's my bit. That's my favorite thing that w- w- with what we do here is people think they got me if one of these guys starts playing well. I just don't even. I can already see it. Jonathan Ian playing left field will give me migraines, and I think that I'll probably have to take a little too much ibuprofen next year if that's the case. All right, all right. Let's let's take a step back here. What? It, if we have Noel V. Marte at third base, we have Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop. We have Matt McLean at first base. We have CES at first base. We have Jake Fraley in right field, TJ Friedel in center field. If if Jonathan Indy is the only guy in left field, I think that defense overall is is, is okay. It's certainly better than him at second base. It can't be worse. The one thing that we'll get into the free agents here in a minute. I obviously want a right handed bat as a free agent. I keep coming back to. I look at the the list that that I'll put up here in a minute. Yeah, I'm like Jonathan Indy could be better than half of these guys. Like he has that potential. Like Teoscar Hernandez, a guy that that I would be all about. He had a 105 WRC plus last year. Like could Jonathan India do that if he's healthy? Absolutely. So that's the one hard piece of this is I'm like, man, Jonathan India he he could outperform some of these guys at a significantly discounted price which is important because it gives you more money to spend towards pitching. Yeah, you got Spencer Steer, too. I This is off topic. I want the Reds to, to pretend they don't have Spencer Steer. Just pretend you don't even have the guy. You build your roster, you pretend you don't have him, 
you get to spring training and you see where he needs to go because there's always going to be a spot at the end of spring training and Spencer Steer can play multiple positions. Uh, I think that's how a good organization runs. They have a guy like Spencer Steer that they know has that versatility. You pretend you don't have him and then you'll find a spot for him by the end of spring. You don't know what it'll be, but there's always going to be that spot that opens up. Okay. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. And Spencer Steer's a starter. Don't, don't, don't get me twisted here. Spencer Steer's a starting caliber player for sure. I'm just saying there'll be a spot open up. We don't right. know where it'll be, but it'll be there. Jonathan India, yes, has pissed me off because he can't play second base all that well sometimes. And by sometimes, I mean more times than not, but I'm just trying to be nice because everyone always says that I'm Mr. Bad Guy. Okay? But I'm also going to sit here and say that Jonathan India is, 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 is not a bad player either. Okay? He's serviceable. All I'm suggesting is I'm just tired of this organization always just thinking we can hide guys in the outfield when they're infielders. That's all I'm saying. Kind of tired of it. Spencer Steer is is kind of getting through it a little bit, yes. But for those that are asking and always make fun of Stuart Fairchild, let me tell you something. Stuart Fairchild looks like he knows how to track a baseball down outside of one time in the Windy City, okay? I get it. I, he dropped a fly ball in Chicago. Everyone wants to remind me of it. But other than that, there's not many that, that, that many great defensive outfielders outside of, obviously, DJ Friedel. So there's that. I think Jake Fraley's a pretty good. He he does rate pretty well. But I know he was hurt so much of and, and that's another real concern with Jake Fraley is his availability uh, uh, over the last couple of years. Um as we kind of look look towards it. But yeah, especially Will Benson could be okay, but he looks like a he looks like he's You know what? I'll say this about Will really fast. I think Will could actually be a really good outfielder. He just is so raw right now that he just I'm hoping with reps he gets a lot better, but sometimes his routes to baseballs are atrocious. But but that's that's everybody. I mean, hell, I love Will Benson. Yeah. But Steer was, a by all metrics, was a worse defensive player than Jonathan India, if we are being fair, at, at third base and at first base. Yeah. Uh, but Spencer Steer also hit significantly, significantly better and made up for a lot of that. Yeah. And you can throw him different spots. Oh, that's fair. Um, what's next? You want to get into the non-tender? Yeah, a couple different angles here. So we'll start with the the pitchers. Uh, so th so these are the guys the Reds will have to make a decision on uh, by November seventeenth on uh, basically if they're going to keep them. Now, if you do tender a player a contract, you don't actually have to give them all of that money. There's a fifteen days into spring training, and there's a forty five days in. Um, that's like some sort of, you have to pay so much of it. I don't know the exact figures on that, uh, but you do have to make a decision if you're committing some money towards them. Obviously, Lucas Sims is a lock. Uh, I think TJ Antone, there is a lock. I guess I'll read this for the podcast sake, but Lucas Sims projected 2.8 million. Derek Law, 1.4 million. TJ Antone, 900,000. Alex Young, 1.7 million. Uh, and, and then the rest of the the relievers are uh, haven't reached arbitration yet, uh, so they're they're on the league minimum. But I, I think Sims is a no brainer. I think T.J. Antone still being under a million is a no brainer. Law and Young, that's where you got to really. I, I would kind of say, yeah, I don't know about that. But when you saw that first contract that the Braves signed uh, uh, in, in free agency, um, Jimenez, you're kind of like, man, I don't know the reliever market that might. 
you know what? You know that that might actually be a steal. I don't know. That's don't where you got to really gauge the market. I think. Listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hang much of a hat on on uh, on Alex Young. Uh, if you want to convince me that Derek Wall could be somewhat serviceable with the with the arbitration number, I would I would venture to agree. Maybe, but man, I tell you, I. Uh, and it's just money too. I mean, to a certain extent, it's just money. Um, it's not, and it's not a lot of money. So, you know, if you told me that you were going to get the same year out of Derek Law, and in you know, maybe even for all intents and purposes, Alex Young was pretty good for a while. He just kind of, kind of fell back down to earth a little bit there towards the end, and and uh, obviously the availability um, would be something of a concern as well. So, we'll see. I don't think that's not really that. I won't say not big decisions, but be honest, for a team that had 68 players play for him last year, um, those two guys aren't going to probably be the, the difference makers. Yeah, that's just the what, what's what needs to be decided by November 17th. So that's kind of one of the more pressing um, sides of the things we're looking at. Uh, and then the position players, uh, Nixon Zell is projected to make $3 million, Jake Fraley $2.2 million. Tyler Stevenson, 2.9 million. Jonathan India, 3.7 million. And if you're unfamiliar with the arbitration system, I won't bore you too much. But the reason Nixon Zell's uh, higher than uh, Fraley and Stevenson is because he has significantly more service time. Uh, that's why he's up there. So obviously, Fraley, Stevenson, and India are no brainers. Whether the Reds even entertain trading of those guys or not, they're going to tender those guys' contracts. It's really Nixon Zell at, at 3 million. I, I go back and forth on Sinzel Trace. And he destroyed left-handed pitching. It's just, you know, holding a roster spot. That part of it's more tough than the, the three million. Uh, I also can't quit Jose Barrero. Uh, and he is out of options. Uh I don't know. I I I lean no, but I'm not I don't I don't I haven't even sold myself on that, if that makes sense. What do you need me to say to sell you? I don't know. Sell me. <laughs> well, I just i I think at some point the the attitude and decisions that were already made in the past kind of rear their head a little bit with him, and whether or not they're justified or whether or not they like it or or, or again, I'm not suggesting that that uh, that Nixon Zell's even a bad person or a bad teammate or any of those things. He could be the greatest person and the greatest teammate out. It's just clear and evident, though, at some point there was frustration built between the two sides that they didn't see eye to eye on something at all. And again, Nick Senzel hit the biggest spite home run of the season without question. He probably, I almost, I think, threw two birds up there uh, as he rounded the bases when he finally got a chance to come back after he got he got uh, option down to Louisville. So, you know, I, I just, I guess my point in all this is saying I'm trying to read between the lines or the tea leaves or whatever the term is that you're supposed to say here uh, with Nick Senzel in this organization, but I would be, uh, again, I would be shocked is maybe a little too much, but I would be surprised, I guess, if Nick Senzel uh, it, it returns. And I think some of that is to what you said. I think the Reds believe that they're going to fill some holes through free agency. They got some money to spend, yes, but they also believe in some other guys. We haven't really got into some other up-and-coming guys that could also perhaps fill some roster spots and some holes that uh, that we don't know. I mean, a year ago, would we have ever believed that we would have guys like 
you know, like I said, would would we have believed, and I guess we would because we forecasted a little bit, but no one thought Matt McClain would come up and play as well as he has or steer, um, CES even maybe. You know, these guys were ahead of schedule. Maybe there's one other person that they believe they're just forecasting. Out of X, Y, and Z, one of those guys is going to be ahead of schedule. We want to make sure if they are ahead of schedule, Nick, we don't have somebody kind of sitting here that we're going to have to do something with. And on top of that, we got to spend money to keep them. Let's just let them go. Sinzel also does have an option left. <laughs> that, that's expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. It's expensive. I mean, $3 million to sit, on, to, sit, to sit in Louisville. Sure, but if you need him, uh, you know. He's if we need Nick Senzel, mark it down. It's a, it's a, it's didn't go. It didn't go as planned, and I'm not going to suggest the season's a failure if we're if we're relying on Nick Senzel, because I hate I, it. Always traces the bad guy being negative. I'm just trying to keep it real and being honest. You think Nick Senzel is going to be the savior of this franchise when he can only hit left-handers and he can play what positions exactly? Yeah, can't play any well, but he—I think he was top ten in baseball in OPS against left-handed pitching. So I he, know that he's great against left-handed pitching, but there's other things that happen in baseball. For three million dollars, I don't know. It's just money, <laughs> isn't that what they say? <laughs> you got me on that one. You're right. It's just money. It's just yeah. money. Uh, the, to your to your point though. The one guy that's really changed so much of the conversation is Noelvi Marte. Because I did not expect on November 8th to feel this confident, hey, Noelvi Marte is going to be on the opening day roster. That's, I think, the most shocking thing that happened uh, last season was that that how quickly he became an instant fixture into this team. Now, look, he could absolutely regress next year. That's certainly a possibility. I'm not going to act like it isn't. But the, the fact that I think most of us feel really good about him as, as being your everyday third baseman it is really just an incredible development that happened. And maybe one of the, the bigger. Yeah. Say it. Things for the Reds. One of the bigger like surprises, one of the bigger uh, wins individually for the Reds uh, last year. Because I think, I think we, we knew Ellie De La Cruz was going to be a part of this team. We knew, I think we knew Matt McLean was going to be a part of this team. I think we knew Christian Nicaragua was going to be a part of this team. In, in this near future. Noelvi Marte, it felt like he was uh, still a little bit down the road. Remember, this guy was uh, uh, just got to Chattanooga at the beginning of this year, was playing in Dayton towards the end of uh, uh, 2022. Um, so for him to have made that leap, that that really changed so much. I agree 100%. I, and, it, and, it, and then if memory serves me right, he didn't get off to the greatest of starts in Chattanooga to start the year off either. And then I think he... He got Sticky hurt. Baseball got hurt a little. I mean, he didn't get hurt for long, but he, you know, he spent some time off. And this is a while back, and I don't remember all these things all that well anymore. But point is, I think he was the. This is a crazy statement to make. For me and my individual belief system, he was the biggest surprise, in a positive way. Some of that, some of that's because of the expectations I had for 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 Ellie and obviously Matt McLean when they came up. Yeah. Uh, last piece of this, uh, these are the guys that are Rule 5 eligible. This will be next Tuesday is that deadline. I won't read them all, but but the top is Reese Hines, Jacob Herdebees, 
uh, Christian Roa, Jose Cunha, Bryce Bonin. Last year, the Reds protected four guys, Ellie De La Cruz, Noelvi Marte, um, Lyon Richardson. It was kind of a surprise, but obviously that turned out to be a really good decision by the Reds and uh, Ricky Karcher. So I would probably say four is probably around that number. The first four I have, Heinz Herdeby. I think Heinz Herdeby and Roa are probably the the, the close to locks. Uh, Heinz in particular. Uh, Jose Acuna, I'd have a hard time believing the Reds are going to let him go, but maybe it depends on how many players they're they're planning on adding. And then Bryce Bonin may be kind of one of the wild cards um, there, but that's just kind of something to track. I don't trace unless you have something really in depth. I don't even have a huge conversation, but just that's the the first, I guess, um, you know, barring the Reds signing a free agent out of nowhere in the next week. That's the kind of the next thing up that we're kind of tracking and that'll uh, uh, be of note. And Lion Richardson, of course, the decision to keep him turned out to be a really big decision for the Reds organization. Yeah, no, not a lot of, lot of, lot, not a lot of non-tender talk from your boy here. Um, we do have... I like her to be. Her to be's. You never know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the guy that comes through and surprises everybody. We'll see. Or, or Blake Dunn. I mean, the Reds are going to oh. have two really interesting outfielders that you think are going to start the year at AAA, but there could be a couple injuries in spring training, and uh, you're, you're, those guys are, are pretty good depth to have right now. That that are, and that's going to be exciting. That you're not going to be. I think the Reds are going to have some good players at AAA, yeah. and that's going to be, and, and not the prospects, not the not the the okay well he's he's you know on this trajectory here they're going to have some nice players that are are kind of stuck there because they can't get to the big leagues not because they're developing it's fair we'll see what happens number 15's probably gone though free agent targets you got some options i got plenty of options i mean i i, I ran out of room i could have kept going here but um, if you're watching Nola Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Sonny Gray, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, there's several pitchers from Japan. I think there's four um, that, that are interesting. Kershaw, uh, Giolito, Stroman, Lugo, uh, Medea, Michael Waka, Kyle Gibson, Luis Severino, kind of the ones at the, the top. I mean, obviously, I'd love for the Reds to go out and get you know someone like Eduardo Rodriguez. I personally love to see them get like someone like Eduardo Rodriguez and then maybe someone like Luis Severino. Um, kind of on more of like a uh, a buy low type, uh, maybe a combination of both. Uh, but it's really one of these situations, Trace, in my opinion, where the Reds are just going to have to kind of see where this market is uh, because it hasn't really been said at all yet. Yeah, uh, there's one other J- Japanese pitcher you didn't put on there, but that's that's uh, that's that's here, that's here nor there. I you know I don't know what the Reds are going to do, but I do think they're going to spend some money on a starter. Uh, without question, they're going to go out and get somebody. Who that is, I have no idea. And you know what? I'm not going to sit here and act like there's one of these guys that 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 makes me think that uh, I would get more excited than the next. You know, I, I really, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. The better they well, are, the more they cost. The more they cost, the more risk. Are the Reds in, and here we go again? People are going to crush me for saying this, but are the Reds in a position right now where I, where I would, what I, where I would believe wholeheartedly that no doubt they are going to be in the thick of of winning a World Series? I'm not there yet. I definitely think they're on the right track to that. 
And I know that people, that's where people get pissed off at you specifically. And definitely they're going to start hating me too a little bit right now is because it's always like, well, the, you know, there's this next year, next year, next year thing. Just trying to keep my expectations relatively realistic. And again, I would like for them to go out and add a veteran arm that more importantly, if anything, can add some stability and also add the opportunity to to teach and mentor some of the younger guys. That's a, that's about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on years, dollars. Uh, I personally, I, I love the idea of overpaying for a shorter deal. Uh, I fully support that. I think that's the smarter way to go if you're a team like the Reds. That's why... Like, like if you're talking Sonny Gray versus Blake Snell, if you can get Sonny Gray on like a three-year deal or maybe even two versus like having to go seven years or something like that, those are the ones that make me really nervous. I don't care how much the Reds pay a guy over two years. Pay him all the money. I don't care. That's not going to sink you long-term. It's the deals that, that can really, you know, by two by year two or three, they're, they're toast. Man, that just, that kills you. That, that, that those are the deals I, I I am the most nervous about. But yeah, overpay like hell over short-term deals. I'm all for that. I don't even care if they're older players and they're super risky. It's a short deal. It's it's not gonna. It's just uh you know just money for the short term. Yeah. No, you're 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 right. And if the Reds are going to continue to be exciting and and have a successful brand of baseball you'd like to you'd like to think that it's going to open up their resources uh the old famous quote they're going to align their their payroll to their resources you'd like to think that their resources will become a little more plentiful therefore they'll be able to go out and make some decisions that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to make and and uh you know we'll find out what they ultimately do and i if anything, the one thing I take away from the decisions that have been made not only this past this past off season with the Vado situation but maybe even more importantly, what they did back at the deadline. I just have faith that this organization is seeing eye to eye on the plan, and I think the plan is a smart plan. I don't I don't want to sit here and suggest that the plan's 100% going to work because nothing's 100%. You know, I was driving home today, and I was thinking to myself, ultimately, I know people disagree with this, but ultimately, you're really not going to be 100% satisfied unless you win the World Series. You're just not. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Diamondbacks fans are going to be thinking to themselves right now they had a hell of a season, yes. But they're also going to be wondering how in the world they let game one slip away and they could have been up two games to nothing coming home with the chance to win two games to close out the series. That's that's 100% what some of those fans are thinking. And on top of that, have you ever heard anybody mention how many NLCS or ALCSs they've been to and after about five years of time? No, no one does that. I mean, you know, it, it's, and I know that sounds like really, really, I'm not suggesting that you can't be happy as a fan or get excited as a fan because your team's good and they don't win the World Series. But I was thinking on the way home, like, if it was a perfectly, you know, a perfectly parody league, you win the World Series once every, what, 30 years? So two World Series in most people's lifetimes? That's what you get. Now, I know that's really, I mean, I'm not trying to be a pessimist here, but my point is this. I am of the mindset right now with this young core group that let's, let's be very conservative on the front end of this thing so we can be absurdly ridiculous 
on the back end of it. And what I mean by that is if we have to go out and spend $25 million on a one-year rental starting pitcher because that's what it might take to get us over the proverbial hump, so be it. But like you're saying, let's not go out and sign a guy to a five-year deal and on year three, when we actually have a chance to win the World Series, we're stuck with this shitty contract because we signed a guy thinking he was going to be somebody he's not. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm not saying don't ever sign a guy on a five-year deal, or but you better be pretty damn sure that it's going to work out. You better have some some real confidence. Uh, and and I look at that list, I got to be honest, there's not one guy that I go, man, that guy is for sure going to be a bona fide great starting pitcher in four or five years. I could see every single one of those guys, uh, you know, falling off a, a cliff in, in three or four years because that happens. It happens to most 30-year-old pitchers. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. All right. Uh, so I think I think the Reds need to add a right-handed bat you'd prefer it to be an outfielder. I do think if there's a, a really good DH candidate, that also kind of makes sense. Um, I, I love Jorge Soler. Uh, it, it'd be better to have a guy that could be a good defensive player for sure. But I think Soler might be the best hitter on the planet against left-handed pitching. I just think he would absolutely dominate it at great America ballpark. Um, the fact that the Marlins didn't offer him a one year, a uh, $20 million um, uh, qualifying offer makes me think you might be able to get this guy for something like three forty-five, dollars some, somewhere around that range, which maybe even less than that. So so he's the guy at the top of the list. I know Teoscar Hernandez kind of does check a lot more of those boxes. I don't think has the upside offensively of Soler, but uh, obviously can play a lot better defensive defense. Of course, Luis Goriel just in the World Series. Tommy Pham, uh, he checks a lot of the boxes. I know a lot of Reds fans are like, no, 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 no. But I think if you kind of dig a little bit deeper, Tommy Pham, he fits a lot of the needs. I'm not against Adam Duvall, uh, but there's a whole lot of other guys down that list. Um, Reese Hoskins is an interesting guy. If you could get him on a maybe a one-year, uh, you know, establish yourself a Great America Ballpark deal. Um, anyone there stand out to you, Trace? No, but I would say if you're gonna if if you're going to be in the camp that you or that you're okay or you want a guy like Tommy Pham back, then I would think that you should also be in the camp that you want a guy the um, a guy that pitched in Japan last year back. Um, that that's how I feel. I mean, neither one of them could be per, could, could be prescribed as as team guys or 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 clubhouse guys or anything like that. But I'm just saying, if you're if you're in the camp of one, I think you should be in the camp of both. That's all. Like I want to, I, this should be an equal opportunity situation. I don't want to hear about how Tommy Pham checks a bunch of boxes, but the guy's just a loser, piece of shit. And then the other guy checks a bunch of boxes, but he's a loser, piece of shit. So he's not allowed on the team. Like if it, it Tommy Pham, Bauer, bring them both back. Bring them both back then. Let's just do it. If we're going to burn the building down, let's burn it all the way down, Nick. Let's not just, let's make sure we get a full total. You know what I'm saying? Let's not take this thing to the body shop. Let's just scrap the thing and get a whole new car. Now that would be a clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I just put them on the list. I didn't even say I, you know, for sure I'm all about it. I, I just think he does. If you're looking for the, 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 the type of player that uh, hits left-handed pitching well, 
can play pretty good defense in the outfield is yeah. right-handed. Tommy Pham does check all three of those boxes. Tommy Pham's not going to resign. He's not going to resign with the Reds anyways because he's going to look up at the schedule and he's going to realize there's a bunch of 640 starts and he's he's already had that <laughs> life. He's already had that life. He's lived it and he doesn't want any part of it again. So he, don't worry about Tommy Pham. He will not be coming to Cincinnati because of the fact the matter is this that you know 640 starts will who will ruin his uh. They'll ruin all of his, uh, what, what did he call him? His defensive metrics is what he said. I love that. You know what? If we get to the end of the season and the Reds haven't signed enough guys, we're going to full steam ahead because we're both against the 640 starts. We're going to blame the Reds for that. We're, we're going to say, hey, it, hey it, wasn't Nick, it wasn't Nick Crawl's job. He did everything he could. It's the 640 starts. Whoever came up with that, you ruined. You made free agents not want to come here. It's all on that. It's a good point. I love it. I like, we got our talking points. We got our alibis already set up, ready to go. That's what people think. That's what some people think. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We can't tell you enough how much we appreciate your support. If you had not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, what are you waiting for? Do it right now. During spring training and the regular season, we are the only Reds podcast to have new episodes after every single game. And we will have plenty of off-season coverage between now and then, so be sure to stay tuned. Also, make sure that you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so that you can join us for live episodes of Chatterbox Reds. Hit the bell and turn on notifications so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about all of the other great content at Chatterbox Sports. First off, there's our flagship show, Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, from 10 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday on YouTube, of course, on Chatterbox Sports. Off the Bench is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Great podcast listen uh, for your drive home, as it's usually posted uh, by 1 or 2 in the afternoon every day. Then there's Chatterbox Bengals. They go live after every single Bengals game. Similar fashion to what we do at Chatterbox Reds. Those guys are doing a great job covering the Bengals this season. Speaking of the Bengals, there is Chatterbox Clicker with Coach Kyle Kasky, former Bengals coach. That is every Tuesday night. Coach Kasky breaks down film from the latest Bengals game in a very innovative show on Chatterbox Sports that you do not want to miss. And if that's not enough to fill your NFL fix... There's Mac and JT. That is Wednesday nights on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Uh, that is all things NFL. They go through each and every game. And then our newest show, Chatterbox Bearcats. That is with host Charlie Walter, formerly of Reds Live. Covers all things UC sports. They are going live on YouTube after every single UC basketball game. So that's, on course, on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Chatterbox Bearcats is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Links to all those shows are in the episode notes today, so be sure to check them out. Give those guys the support that they deserve. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope that you have a fantastic day, and as always, go Reds. <laughs>